Hello and welcome back to Tay Radio Marin. I'm your host Javier Vicuna and today I'm joined by my co-host. Your co-host Annalie Reyes. And on today's show we are very happy to announce that we have returning guest Ismael Ray Lara who we previously had on the show uh, last year actually around this time um, through Zoom but now we have the honor of having him here in person. Um, thank you so much for for being on the show with us today, Ismail. It's great to have you. Um, yeah, just introduce yourself to the audience. And I'm blessed. I want to say, Omatel, thank you all for just inviting me, having me here, and be a part of the circle, be a part of the energy on the show. My name is Ismail the third Medrano. I'm from the Mission District of San Francisco, California, and uh, also from the South Side of Stockton, California. And I, I say that because I'm, I'm proud of my heritage. I'm proud of my people. I'm proud to... Bloom beauty and brilliance from areas in which um, racist policies are created f- mm-hmm. to prevent us from doing so. And in spite of all the ugliness, we bloom. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. I mean, very well said. Um, I also wanted to just uh, shout out to every South American country who has received independence. I know today is Mexican Independence Day, um, and both Ismael and I are actually from Mexico. So shout out to all the Mexicans. But Annalie is actually from Guatemala, (laughs) um, and they had their Independence Day yesterday. Um, Some of you here in Marin might have seen all the cars that were... um, you know, honking and, and doing a, like a big car parade basically was going on yesterday, which is awesome to see. Um, and yeah. yeah. Uh, Do but, you have any shout outs to give? Oh, yeah. For everybody. I mean, um, the map divides us sometimes, but we're all one people at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? We all speak and, the same language. <laughs> and, and, and even if there's variations of, of the Spanish and or indigenous mm-hmm. um, languages and di- dialects is that I just want to say to everybody that um, identifies, whether you call yourself Latinx or Chicanx or Chicano, Chicano, Latino, Latino, uh, Afro, Latino, Latino, Afro, Latinx, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's all these terms, right? And so I just want to say que, que siempre hay que ser orgulloso de donde venimos y para donde vamos a estar. Mm-hmm. Depende de todo de lo que está en nuestros corazones. Do you want to say in English? <laughs> if I can remember, yeah. I just want to say, I, I just want to give a shout out to everybody's independence and that we need to fight uh, continuously to really, truly uphold that meaning of independence for all folks in Latin America. Yeah, no, totally. And just uh, so everyone's aware, Ismael, uh, we have been playing his music for the past whole year really on Tay Radio. So he is he is also a musician. He's a rapper. Um and you know we're we're it's so crazy to us to just have you in the studio now because we've been listening to your music like every single show. Um so yes, this is Ismael Lara who has made Badelante, Walking Stars, um and his EP is on Spotify. So go check it out. <laughs> Definitely a great way um to celebrate who you are. Um and just moving on, before we delve into more about your life, Ismail, uh, I wanted to ask actually the both of you, uh, what is your favorite Hispanic dish? Mm. Do you want to go first? Okay. Um, honestly, I'm not really good with cheese, but I would eat pupusas. Oh, pupusas is a yeah. great choice. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, what, what do you like about pupusas so much? Um, I don't know. It's just like the tortilla and the cheese and the... The cabbage, you know, that dish. Yeah, just putting everything on. Yeah, and the sauce. It's just good. Yeah, for those people who might not know, a pupusa is basically kind of like... I've heard it described as the Salvadorian quesadilla. Yeah. But it's basically like... um, 
it's very different from a quesadilla, I would say, but it's more like a gordita, which is kind of, I, I would say the Mexican equivalent to it, mm-hmm. but um, it's basically like a, like a whole like tortilla circle. It's like a tortilla circle with, with a bunch of meat or cheese, uh, cheese or, or beans. Like it could do a whole bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's usually like Annalie was saying, it's served with some like sauce and some cabbage, some like mixed cabbage yeah. um, that you just put on top and it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. But how about you, Ismail? You're going to put me in a hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Um, I, off the top of my head, I'm probably going to say cause mole. I love mole. Oh, my God. That's... My wife makes amazing mole. <laughs> you <laughs> took <laughs> mine. <laughs> I feel like every Mexican person that I've ever met has always said that mole is their favorite <laughs> dish. Like, I, I and I have to agree, it's good. It's like, um, have you had mole before, Emily? Um, I'm vegetarian. Oh, that's right. So. <laughs> oh, well, you can eat mole with, uh, I've had, there's like as an enchilada. So you could put it oh. with like a cheese enchilada oh. um, and eat it that way. What um, is a mole, if you guys can explain to the audience? So mole is just like a, it's like, like a, a sauce. sauce. Yeah, it's a sauce that's made out of using chocolate. Yeah, it could, mm. yeah. It could use chocolate and then like a whole bunch of spices. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't right, know the exact right origin of where part of mexico it originated from i don't either <laughs> but it's just really good mm-hmm. um and i highly recommend just trying it out just the sauce yeah. by itself is no really i think good. my mom has done it like vegetarian way mm-hmm. with chocolate yeah 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 it's interesting because it doesn't actually taste like chocolate like you yeah. can kind of it's like sweet right. but it's also super mm-hmm. spicy um and it just goes on like anything like you can make whatever with it but yeah yeah, uh, there's, there's just different ways to make it, right? Yeah. Some people like that chocolate taste, some people don't. And stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. All right, well, those are some great choices. Um, like I said, mine is definitely mole as well. It's just, it's just so good. If you haven't tried mole, you're you're missing out. You got you got to try it out. <laughs> um, but moving on, Ismail, I wanted to ask you. So, what do you do? Uh, what have you learned? So you're a professor, right? Currently, you're a professor um, at College of Marin. Uh, and are you still, uh, at San Francisco State? San Francisco State, uh, City College of San Francisco, sometimes Merritt as well. Oh, Merritt College too. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So, okay, great. And could you just describe to us a little more about like, um, like your journey becoming a professor? Like what, what made you want to become a professor? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a great question. I feel that, um, when I was in high school, I had a lot of, low self-esteem mm-hmm. and um i just kept to myself but it was the literature courses and um history classes that i enjoyed the most and i would say that the interest in learning about my culture came from learning about african-american literature and history first oh, wow. and so some of my heroes have for a long time been people like frederick Douglass and uh, harriet tubman and so learning about African-American heroes and um, the abolitionist movement, I was like, well, you know what? This is this is amazing. This is dope. So mm-hmm. where are the folks that look like me? And um, it wasn't until um, community college that I began. I was in the Puente program at San Joaquin Delta College mm-hmm. in the early 2000s, and I got to learn about uh, the beginning intro into Chicano Chicano studies. And so I was like, for me, I felt an empowered through reading, through the literature, through the history, through learning about my culture, to learn about the complexities of my culture. 
into um, embracing my my uh, European history mm-hmm. heritage. Yeah. Also, my indigeneity, and I identify more with my indigeneity, and also uh, in my classes, I do my best to talk about what does independence truly mean. Does, does everyone have it? And so, from that perspective. I'm not saying that all Mexican folk have African heritage, but many many people do. Many of us do, mm-hmm. right? And so we have to acknowledge that there's um, racist policies created to prevent s- specific groups of folks um, from social mobility. Could you... Um, so you've mentioned this before, but could you go into a little bit more detail about what these racist policies are or, or what you mean exactly by racist policies? Yeah. And so in my courses, we, we talk about definitions week one. And so <laughs> I week one, we're like, well, definitions matter because if we don't define, for instance, racism, mm-hmm. then we're all going to use this word in a different way with a different meaning and we're not going to be able to communicate. And so racism, um, per Dr. Uh, Eduardo Bonilla Silva, who's a soci- uh, professor of sociology, I believe he's the chair at the sociology department at Duke University, he defines it as institutionalized and mm. or systemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in addition to that, building off of Dr. Kendi's work on his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, he emphasizes that it's racist policies. And so in my class, we break it down into... Um, two extreme forms. We have the overt, which is in your face, is visible. Uh, most people tend to say that, on, for instance, only the KKK is racist, right? Only Bernie Cross is racist or mm. um, racial slurs. Yeah. Then we got the covert racism that's more hidden. Um, it's not easy to see. It's oftentimes disguised, camouflaged, yeah. and uh, oftentimes it's in policies, so when I, when I refer to racist policies, it could be something like um, the Repatriation Act of 1930s that forced um, and displaced f- primarily uh, Mexican-American families, even though they were born here in the United States, mm-hmm. and sent them back and deported them to Mexico. Wow. Uh, another one could, po- could be the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. An act that excluded Chinese people for 60 years. And that's why you have a lot of Chinese folk that went to places um, like Baja and, and mm-hmm. in that area of Mexico down um, at the oh, borderlands. Oh, that's why that... And that's why you have a oh, lot of Mexican Chinese, Chinese yeah, people. Yeah. I've always wondered that because when I was visiting Mexico, um, I did notice that there was a lot of like Chinese businesses um, opened up. And I just, I, I didn't really know exactly the history of how they all got there. That could be one perspective. Yeah. I mean, uh, in addition to your point, what we're highlighting here is that because of the Middle Passage, Atlantic uh, enslavement as an institution, a lot of um, abducted, kidnapped African folk were were forced and taken to um, Mexico to the port in Veracruz. Mm-hmm. And that also leads to black Mexicans. And then um, centuries later, um, two concrete examples that are coming to me as far as racist policies is the Indian Removal Act of 1830 in the United States that forced um, and displaced Native Americans. And when we talk about specifically like a tribe like the Cherokee, it it forced and the realization and the brutality of the Trail of Tears. 
um, in the same year, Mexico abolishes the institution of slavery. Mm-hmm. And a lot of um, black folk seek refuge in Mexico because of that. And once again, you get more um, black Mexican folk. And so we're really united in a, a lot of um, our experiences. I won't say we're the same because I want to be respectful to everyone's autonomy mm-hmm. and, and and forms of liberation. But I think that there's beauty in our differences for sure. And that's what I mean by racist policies. Yeah, I feel like there's like a lot of history, um, especially with race. And I totally agree with like how like it's not only whiteness that like causes racism. There's like Latinos who also are racist too. Color. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, it's a lot of history. And going back to your work at school, how were you able to work in different schools and teach? How is that possible? <laughs> oh, I mean, it's possible because like, like our ancestors, we, we in- innovate out of necessity it's not really a choice of mine. Mm. Um, if I could give my younger self some game and wisdom, and there's a difference between those two things, is that we, I, I didn't know that, like, for instance, your BA and your MA, uh, in my case, matters. Mm-hmm. So I have a bachelor's degree in Spanish literature from UC Merced. Mm-hmm. And then I have a master's degree in Chicano, Chicano studies. Those two don't really... Um, connect or build off of one another. For instance, um, uh, at Calm, I have a history equivalency, so I had to take I had to take these meetings and prove that I, that I understand the historical um, mainstream way of teaching history. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I have a master's in what, what could be under the umbrella of ethnic studies. Yeah, but if I would have had a BA in history and then my uh, MA in Chicano Chicano studies, I could teach both. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the wisdom that I would like to offer folks that want to teach is that, first of all, I think that if you can, go for the PhD. That just wasn't my destiny. Um, and we could get into that later, but uh, I'm good at where I am today because it's opening up different, like creator just have a different plan for me. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. But to answer your question, um, as an adjunct professor, I started out in the East Bay at the Peralta Community Colleges my first semester was at Berkeley City College, and then I met uh, Dr. Siri Brown mm. um, at Merritt College, and then Jason Seals, and then from there I met the great uh, Walter Turner, professor here at College of Marin, and and, and that's how the ball just kind of started rolling in that way. And then I got introduced um, to the cha- to the chair of Race and Resistance, San Francisco State, Jason Frere. Shout out to him. Shout out to Dr. Torres at City College, and, and it was like. As a professor, I'm just trying to do what I love, one, mm-hmm. and get paid to do what I love so I could feed my family. And in the beginning, I didn't know that as an adjunct, your classes are not guaranteed. You get mm-hmm. these little slip notes at the beginning of every semester that says, your contract is terminated after this semester. Oh, and the first wow. time I read that, I was like disheartened. I felt mm-hmm. like, wow, like, am I going to be here or not? And so... As far as economics that are real life, not knowing if you're going to have a class because it's going to get cut. Yeah. Because possibly there's not enough students and things of that nature. It's uh, It's been stressful. So it's not by choice. It's more out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to be full time 
Okay. And what's the difference from Chicano and Hispanics, like history? Oh, man, that's a whole semester <laughs> right there. Just to give you a quick <laughs> breakdown, though, is that they have different meanings. Um, for instance, when we talk about um, Hispanic, it, it refers to Spanish-speaking people, um, which excludes like a country like Brazil. Mm. And then... Um, Latinx is to be more gender inclusive and that comes from Latino Latino mm-hmm. and, and that would include a country like Brazil because um, and other countries even on the islands as well um, and then you have Chicano Chicano mm-hmm. and all of these um, terms have complexities mm-hmm. there's scholars that are doing great research to pinpoint its origins and accurate meanings um, for me, I identify as Chicano. I identify as indigenous. Um, and Can I ask, what is Chicano? Chicano is a term that was flipped in the 1960s during the Mexican-American Civil Rights Movement, mm-hmm. the Chicano-Chicano Movement, to um, retake back a word that, ha- that was more of an insult that meant something like, I'm paraphrasing here, something like, uh, quote-unquote, lower-class Mexican people. Yeah, and um, building off of that history and creating a subgroup he, as people of Mexican heritage living in the United States, they utilize the philosophy of self determination to say we're gonna name ourselves, mm. and we're gonna go with this term Chicano. Oh, so it's like Mexican Americans. It's primarily made up of Mexican-Americans. However, anyone that identifies with the Chicano-Chicano philosophy and way of life can be a Chicano and Chicano. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For instance, um, a lot of folks in like Los Angeles, mm-hmm. where there's a, a multitude of different razas and gentes from otros países in Latino America uh, that may not necessarily be Mexican, but maybe they grew up in a Mexican barrio, a Mexican yeah. neighborhood, mm-hmm. Mexican mm-hmm. community. And they identify with with that uh, political um, struggle, mm-hmm. and and they they're they're immersed in that culture. Exactly. So you don't have to be necessarily of Mexican origin to identify as Chicano or Chicano. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I also saw this documentary about uh, some Japanese immigrants mm-hmm. who actually. Um, identify as Chicanos and there's actually this like pretty big Chicano culture in Japan in parts of Japan it's huge it's yeah yeah it's huge I was watching the documentary I was just like my mind was blown I was like this is like really cool that like you know that like you're saying like Chicano it's like a it's like a I would almost say it's kind of like a lifestyle too um, because it's just so it welcomes so many different cultures and it really embraces like who, who you are and and I, I really like um um you know uh in LA like you were saying like you you see the Chicano culture as you walk like it's so many like people that embrace and say Chicano and and, and yeah and yeah. just to clarify not every person of Mexican heritage identifies exactly as yeah. Chicano mm-hmm. and so once again when we're talking about what do these terms mean right um they mean a, a, a multitude of things okay yeah, so you could choose to be Chicano or not, um, and it does. It's not just uh, just it can't. It doesn't have to just be Mexican Americans, like you're saying. Like it could be whoever you want <laughs> to be. But uh, yeah, I wanted to ask. So go- going back to about your culture, what what makes you proud 
of your of your own culture. So I know you you said you you uh, identify uh, with your indigenous side and also with your Mexican side. Like, um, how did you um, like how do you how do you balance those cultures? Because because uh, I think what some people need to realize is that like um, the, your indigenous culture can be different from your your Mexican culture, right? Correct. It, it's a it, yeah yeah it could it could not right. There's a fusion. Um, when we talk about like the colonial period, approximately like let's say fifteen twenty one to eighteen twenty one, the independence that we're celebrating uh, for Mexican folk today, right? Um, from from the Spanish crown, mm-hmm. is that um, a lot of promises were made, and I'll, I'll, I'll take this moment to clarify: is that um, the criollos that led that independence promised the indigenous people, the African people the black Mexicans that this new country, Mexico, would be for them. Oh. That they would be included as well. Can and you sorry, can you explain what's Creoles? Creoles? Yeah. Creoles. So during the colonial period of New Spain, we have the colonization of indigenous people into um converting them from their indigenous cultures and lifestyles um, into pretty much being like Europeans. So they built churches, Catholic churches, on top of indigenous um, ceremonial sites. Mm. They, they forced them to, to speak Spanish, take their culture, um, their forms of institution, substitute the corn with wheat uh, for in, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so remind me real quick what the, what the question was. What is Creole? And so the, the <laughs> Peninsulares, people born in Spain, are at the very top of this racial hierarchy mm-hmm. as in the caste system. Mm-hmm. And um, below them is the Criollos and Criollos, people of Spanish heritage now born in the new Spain. Mm-hmm. And then you have the, the indigenous folk, and at, at the bottom of this racial hierarchy, you have African folk. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at this racial hierarchy in Latin America and its racial formations, it's based on phenotype, how you look, your skin color, and your ancestry. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. pseudoscience is created to say um, this is why we justify the institution of enslavement and some people mm-hmm. have to be quote-unquote slaves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a question. I know like... Um, each culture can be different. And for you, um, what is one of the like, expectations as a Latino um, in your family member? Um, yeah. So like in my family, like what, are, what is the expectation of, of me? Yeah. Or, or maybe you could even ask it this way. Growing up, what, how, were, how were your role? What was your role in your family growing oh, up? Okay. And now how has that changed with your, you know, the family that you've now created, like your own family? I hear you. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, oh, we're taking it deep. <laughs> yeah. I'm a storyteller by nature, you know, and my student, my former students know that I often ex- share my stories to center myself first because mm-hmm. it's hard to say, hey, um, what we're learning, uh, I have replicated or reproduced at some point, and so I'll center myself. Mm-hmm. Um if you're not comfortable, no, I'm, yeah. I am. I am just thinking real quick. Okay. So, like, <laughs> yeah, it's machismo, right? Or mm-hmm. patriarchy. Mm-hmm. So, patriarchy is a mm-hmm. system designed to put men at the helm and uh, and governance of actually like a nation and and the family. 
And so my family was not free of patriarchy, not not at all. However, growing up, um, my pops had multiple jobs. He was a janitor his whole life. He serves uh, on the executive board for the Justice for Janitors campaign at SEIU Local 87, hmm. two terms. Um, when I was young, he had that job. He was a cook. Um, he cleaned houses with my mom. Yeah. And that's a whole other story. But my point is, is that growing up, me and my two sisters, Elizabeth and Perla, shout out to them. We grew up doing the same thing. Like, um, I, if they sweat, I sweat. You know, everybody had to sweep. Everybody had to clean up after themselves, wash their own dishes, wash their own clothes, um, clean the toilet, clean the shower, uh, sweep, mop, uh, fold clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, the, when I hear stories, and I know they're true, mm-hmm. right, about other folks and their households in, in particular in this type of situation where maybe the young men don't ever have to lift a finger uh, when it comes to what may be called as domestic work. Right, maybe they're they're with the pops, or we're not working in the in the in the in the, in the backyard, or doing something else physical, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I we I had to do all that as well, and, and I'm thankful for that because um, I have three sons, and it's like, nah, homie, you're gonna watch dishes pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, clothes, <laughs> you know, because we want to be able to build and create a community that's more inclusive and less hurtful to one another. And what I wanted to add is that I was actually, about a week ago, uh, the Multicultural Center Marin hosted this um, this this uh, meeting for different age groups and, and uh, ethnicities to come together and share their um, concerns with the community here in San Rafael or in Marin in general. Um, and I got to actually participate with our other host, Santi, um, and we talked, we were in this little, they put us in different circles and we were in the circle that was all kind of like the youth. Um, and one thing that was very common, so it was very many, it was mostly Latinos that we were in that circle. And one thing that was coming up all the time is that they had they had to grow up so fast like mm-hmm. there's a lot of like girls who at, already at like age four or five they already have to like be taking care of their little sister or something like mm-hmm. that or they have to like babysit their their siblings because their parents are working like overtime or working just all these long hours and it forces both like both the brother and a sister to have to grow up like really quickly Um, and that's how I had to go through it. Right. I had to wait, I had to grow up really fast. Like I was already doing all these different things. Um, and then as you grow up, um, a lot of people were mentioning that they just don't have free time Mm. to like do other things because they're, they already kind of have this schedule that they follow. Um, it's like they start working at a, at a young age already. And, um, yeah, no, just, just, I, I just, wanted to add that to to what you were saying that yeah there's i feel like there's a lot of latin youth who who just grow up and and they're already like knowing all these different skills which is great but it also um it it takes it creates that it creates like a so a lot of pressure a lot of pressure exactly um and having to deal with like landlords that are not fair or or like discrimination like it's it's tough growing up and and Um, real quick right and how do those landlords get away with you know um be abusing uh, rights and whatnot, possibly because of, once again, racist policies mm-hmm. that protect them. And the mere fact that w- most Americans, including Latino Latinos, have to work multiple jobs, I, I would say that that is a form of a racist, racist policy. policy. I agree. Wages. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Huh. And go- growing up, um, did you learn Spanish at school or at home? I learned it at home, you know, <laughs> so I was one of those kids that I didn't grow up speaking like proper Castellano, Mexicano, not at all. Mm-hmm. So I grew up speaking like, uh, like very like slang, uh, mm-hmm. Spanish growing mm-hmm. up in the household. And my pops was kind of like, my, you know, my mom only speaks Spanish. And so like, yo, in the house, we speak in Spanish. When you go outside, you can speak English, yeah. you know? And, and so I grew up learning Spanish first. Mm-hmm. And you know? do you do the same thing with your children? We try to, we try to, um, shout out to my moms and my suegra because they're the ones that really hold it down as far as like, mm-hmm. uh, teaching our, my sons how to speak Spanish mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, understanding like, yo, like, yo, we're Mexican, mm-hmm. right? We're Mexican, we're, we're indigenous. And although we don't speak Nahuatl or nothing like that, you know, that's eventually a goal. Oh, that's awesome. Do you know Nahuatl? No, no. Oh. It's, um... Something that me and my wife have talked about. We've mm-hmm. taken a few courses actually at Laney a few years ago. And it's a beautiful language. Mm-hmm. And um, it's something that uh, we aspire to attain to learn at one mm-hmm. point. All right. Yeah. Great. Well, um, I actually want to take a quick song break. And we're actually going to play Ismail's song <laughs> with Ismail here in the studio. So that's super exciting. Um, so we're going to go ahead and play my favorite song off the album, Adelante. Um, I mean, I just love that song, man. It's just so good. Um, But yeah, we'll be playing this and we'll be right back um, shortly. This is I try to crush my spirit, but my Chicano soul don't fall. I'm 100 with it. Mi gente dice al 100, puro pa' adelante. Pa' atrás a más que se buscó en vivo y atrás. Vamos, vamos, pa' adelante. Vamos, vamos, pa' adelante. Vamos, vamos, pa' adelante. Vamos, vamos, yeah. So who's the victor? You Roman silver, the 30 coins of Judas. I'm at dead gold, abundance of wealth never told i'm the mind alliance youngest defines the storm of stars and all the science duality the serpent don't misinterpret i'm fine wisdom age in the temple of the serpent i'm the flame of this will course poems wisdom that hits the soul nobility we slip forth these hard to fight every day we born to prove victory not to fade the game i'm good at the child princess Eden dean on her horse ready for war we don't die we regenerate victory our fate on a cool breeze i move with ease my intellect stays strapped i embrace my heritage the brown white the black i got my mind on my studies and my studies on my mind ready to hit back with facts black black jack so what's the meaning historical victory from the beginning beginning All right, and we are back. Uh, Annalise here, and just going to give a couple announcements. Yeah, for sure. Um, Kimberly is working as an intern for Marine Office of Equity, and she just wanted to share like a little information of what she's doing right now. And it's the Marin Office of Equity has a participatory budgeting project, which is known as PB. And then PB is a citizen engagement process in which community members decide how to spend a portion of money. She has mentioned this before, and um, this budget of this year is $2.5 million. So it's a lot of money. And um, you can, like, write down, like, what you wanted, what would be, like, 
really nice to have um, to have a budget in this community, and it can be just like um, more music um, in your school or let's say like a public park and just like uh, there's many different ideas that can um, help like public safety as well. Um, but if you do have an idea and you would like um, to see how um, they're going to spend this money, you can DM us or um, message us on Instag Instagram and Facebook at Terry DeMarin. Or you can comment on the comments um, on Facebook or Tay Radio Marin, and we'd love to hear your ideas. And that's it for me. Yeah, and I just wanted to also mention um, that the Presente program is accepting applications, um, and they will be closing next week. Um, so if you would like, uh, we're going to put in the comments uh, the contact information for Diango Reyes. If you want to participate in Presente, it is a paid internship yeah i also want to mention presente is like a really good program i've been it kimberly and santi has been it it's just like you learn about your culture and more about indigenous history so it's really cool if you want to learn more about that yeah or you could always message us for more information mm -hmm. um i also wanted to mention that tonight today uh at 5 p.m uh, we are meeting up at the Picante restaurant in Canal, uh, which is on Bellum and Windward Way, uh, to march for justice for Mateo, uh, because we still are demanding justice. This is still an issue that's going on here in Marin. Um, and yeah, if you can make it, that'll be great. Um, I'll be there. Uh, I'm not sure, Annalie, if you'll be making it or not, but well, <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll see me there. Um, but I, I recommend you, if you got the time and day, come, come and support. It's right um, after the show. Cause. Yeah, right after the show. Um, I think they're going to meet up at five, but they're going to start marching at around 530. So okay. I got some leeway. Um, but yeah, did you have any shout outs you want to yes, give out real quick? Ismail? Yeah, you. go for so, it. Real quick. I got to get into my phone real quick. <laughs> I want to shout out uh, my beautiful Empress. Uh, Jackie Lara Jimenez for winning the San Mateo District Golden Apple Award um, for her school, for being a great teacher. She's awesome. And shout out to Edward Montelongo and all the teachers, her colleagues that nominated her for, nominated her for this award. So I wanted to give a shout out for her. Wow, congrats. congrats to your wife. Thank you. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, and that's also so awesome that both you and your wife are, are like teachers. Mm -hmm. that's, that's so cool. Um, but moving on, uh, so may, some of you may have seen the reel that we had made on our Instagram, um, actually with Ismael Lara, where he talked about the warrior in you philosophy. Um, and, you know, that, that video did a lot, <laughs> did really well. Like a, we got a lot of great positive comments from that. And for those who might not know, what is the warrior in you? Yeah, so the warrior in you means that there's such a stigma um, around and in the mental health and Latino Latino communities that often when a Latino young man or man needs help, they're kind of shying away from that because they're told it's just in their mind or stop being weak, stop being a punk, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that the warrior in you, the way I'm defining it means that it takes a lot of courage to go first. It, like, it takes a lot of courage to talk about it, um, especially in your family and or community where no one's talking about it. And they're possibly going through it as well, whether you might know or not know. And so I was like, you know what? Nah, 
It takes a lot of courage. It actually takes the warrior in your soul, in your spirit to say, I need help. I'm not okay. I need to talk to someone um, because I'm wounded. Mm-hmm. And if I'm wounded and I'm hurt, more times than not, I'm probably hurting the people I love the most mm-hmm. at home and in or my community. And so that's how I came up with that. I was like, you know what? Nah, this is this is the warrior in you. And I, know, I love that mentality so much because it's, it's destigmatizing mental health. You know, like so many times in our in Latino families growing up, like we just had to suffer through it. We had to suffer through tough times. And, and we we our ancestors went through so much trauma. I mean, imagine that like these colonizers coming, taking our land, killing like your friends, killing your your like that trauma. It goes into generations and it can lead to all sorts of different like just mental health issues along the line. And that's it's just so I love that because, yeah, we all have that warrior in, in ourselves. We just need to speak up and, and just come to terms that mental health is real. It is an issue. And you, there are many resources for you to go and get help um, mm-hmm. for mental health. Yeah. With that, like I would also say like how our society is building. Um, there's like a constant pressure of like getting on, like being on the grind, um, getting your stuff together and it does create a lot of um, pressure and um, there's a lot of people who um, gain anxiety and stuff like that. And um, I sadly heard a news like recently about this girl. I don't know if you guys have heard of her, but um, her name was Jing Mei and she actually uh, died um, from suicide, I believe. Uh, She just um, had a lot of depression and anxiety and um it comes from his boyfriend's uh, post which is j u c t a n g s t e r and she was a uh, a first year residency at uc davis school of medicine and it's just really sad how um like medical school the system it creates like this um you know pressure of like mm-hmm. being perfect and stuff like that and um yeah, my condolences to her and her family, but um, September is actually like um, National Suicide Awareness or Prevention, I believe. And yeah. um, you can also call 988 for a hotline. And um, yeah. Ismael also gave a resource for people at College Marin. You can all get like free psychological services if you're a College of Marin student for free and their phone number is 415-485-9350 I'll say again 415-485-9350 and I just wanted to like talk about her situation because that was really sad um this past week I just saw it and um yeah it's just there's a lot of stuff that going that is going on and I feel like that could like could have been prevented and yeah, it's just not like there's a lot of mental illness um, or mental health um, issues among youth, right? For sure, mm-hmm. especially like uh, like I said, like growing up um, in my Latino household, like um, so I lost my brother uh, when I was uh, 15, 14, um, and that like put a big toll on my mom. Um, you know, my, my my mom went into this very very depressive state. Um, and that affected the whole family. Um, 
at, at first for me, uh, grieving is very different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I didn't initially feel like like sadness or something. I just felt very like confused and very like like wow, like like mm-hmm. death exists, like it's a thing. Um, you know, everyone has their own perspective on death. Um, but as I as I started like going through high school because I just started high school basically around that time, mm-hmm. I I started learning more that like uh, this is actually taking a toll on me like it like mentally I'm I'm not able to like focus like it it took it mm-hmm. took some time to get there but finally like that emptiness in my heart kind of just took over and I was like wow like I I don't like at first I didn't know what was wrong with me because I thought I was just I don't know something because I, I didn't know anything that much about mental health I didn't come into mm-hmm. terms with mental health all that much because it wasn't talked about in my family mm-hmm. um but you know seeing my mom cry like every night and then seeing like like just her suffering I just it it, it screwed me up mm-hmm. and I had to go and get help because I I I don't know how I would have survived high school if I hadn't gone and got at least some therapy to help me out. And I I just have to shout out, like, I am such a huge advocate for mental health because of that, because I know that there's so many different types of traumas in people as well. Um, And it's just, yeah, therapy is just such a great resource and like tool to have Mm -hmm. to really conquer your your mental health issues and and it works it really does work therapy does work it's just about you you know bringing up that courage that warrior to to just stand up with your with your ideas and and just kind of you know yeah go for it and and sometimes people think that uh there's only one way of therapy Mm -hmm. and or it has to be a clinical approach Mm -hmm. When, when in reality um, and there's scholars doing great work on this. You know, it's not my original work or or anything like that. But what I'm trying to get at is that we even have to decolonize the that that term therapy when there's nothing more ancestral to us than actually long talks, plot yeah. mm-hmm. uh-huh. as a form of um, healing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like when you mentioned that. I was like thinking of like drawing. You know how that can be a therapeutic. Or music, music, meditating, um, and presenting. We would med- meditate before we like went to class, so I felt like that was really helpful. But yeah, like when did you like created this warrior in me? Like, it, it from the fire, from the abyss, from the lowest point in which I was going through my mental health issues last year, a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was going to die. I, I was having health problems, um, stomach issues. I can't, I have to have a really strict diet and what I eat. Mm-hmm. And also um, battling that and dealing with my mental health as far as anxiety and depression at the same time yeah. was was very tough for me. Um, I had a complete breakdown, non-functional, to the point where I had to remind myself just to breathe. Mm-hmm. I had my first anxiety attack and I didn't know what was going on. I felt cold. I couldn't stop shaking. My my stomach hurt. I felt like yeah. I couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. And my wife took me to the hospital and they were like, oh, you're, you're okay. You could go now. And I was like, nah, I'm not okay. I, <laughs> no. need, I need help. And I remember the ride home felt like the longest ride ever and I remember shaking so much that night that I didn't know how I was going to go to sleep. But when I woke up, I was like, okay, it's not going to be easy. But if I could get to that, I could get through the next day. And I just took it day by day. And um, eventually what what helped 
was um, the things you were t- mentioning is is uh, uh, painting. I'm not a painter, but I just I like to paint. I like mm-hmm. to paint like where I see myself in life and or attaining my goals mm-hmm. to visualize them. Love that. Um, my kids sometimes will get a canvas with me and just start painting colors, and it, it, mm-hmm. it's not about it being perfect. It's just about. I think that's what it was too. As many times I, I we I felt like I was being forced to utilize this mask that wasn't me, mm-hmm. and I'm not perfect. And I was like, you know what? Um, I'm just I need help, mm-hmm. you know. And if I'm going to ever wear a mask again, it's going to be of my choosing and my liking. And um, I decided to, you know what? Some of the performances that I had the last couple of months, I, I utilized this mask. Shout out to Doomsy in Northern California who created a customized mask for me mm-hmm. based on uh, Mesoamerican God, Quetzalcoatl. And I chose that because I was like, you know what? I'm going to embrace the power of my heritage and reclaim my roots, mm-hmm. reclaim my indigeneity, reclaim my forms of healing and and who I really am. Since in this mm-hmm. society, I'm told that I'm, I'm not worth very much or anything at all. Like, no, but but I am. And it's a part of reclaiming that was being okay with, number one, like, I don't need to know everything, right? I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out. And that's okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and just beginning from there. And shout out to folks that are going through it, man. Don't give up, you know. It, it's It's... It's difficult. There are services. Um, I did a, a a group therapy session for folks going through it mm-hmm. with depression. I did that. Um, I'm gaining into the system to get one-on-one therapy now. And um, in the beginning, I had to take you know anxiety pills because it was just that bad, and I had to go to work, and nobody knew what I was going through. Yeah. You know, and then I started opening it up with folks in my family. They're like, oh, me too. I've been going through that for a minute. And I was like, what? I don't mm-hmm. know why he said nothing. And it's mm-hmm. like, how, yeah. how do we help each other? Yeah. You know, and then mm-hmm. I got off the, the medication and I've been exercising, um, meditating, affirmations, painting. And I got a new project in the works out of out of all this pain. Yeah. I I remember last time you were on the show, you talked about like writing a song for your dad. And I think it was Walking Stars. Yeah. Is that correct? Um, is that was that like a form of therapy for you? Most definitely it was because um I was going once again I thought I had to be like extra tough, you know, and, and just be strong for my family, which I do and I, I still mm-hmm. am, right? But I don't think I I gave myself a, a, like the ability to really just let it out, you know, mm-hmm. as much as I wanted to. Um, there was a moment in the hospital where, where I did, I, I cried like I never cried before in my whole life. And mm-hmm. I felt like a warm blanket just covered my body for a second. And mm-hmm. I knew it was him. And um, wow. that song came out of pain and it came out of joy as well. Mm-hmm. It came out of a realization like, you gave me all these jewels, meaning lessons on how to live life, how to be a, a, a man, a good man. Um, and even from his mistakes, you know, not just what he did well. Um, my pops wasn't perfect, but his smile and laughter was. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, his sacrifices and I felt I felt like 
if he could have just expressed to me how he really felt about me, right? Because me and him never said I love you to each other more than probably twice, three times in my whole life. Mm-hmm. That's, it, uh, yeah, sorry, I, I just have to add that that's kind of like similar to the relationship I have with my dad currently. That that makes me think a lot, actually. I, I didn't realize how many times I, I've actually told him that I love him. Like, I've I've told my mother plenty of times that I love her, but... Yeah, that's interesting. So so what are the stigmas, right? Yeah. Because family is an institution, right? So what are the stigmas that prevent us from being emotional and affectionate to one another? Mm-hmm. And so when I wrote that song, I was thinking about, um, well, how do I how do I grow from this pain? And, and how do I give myself wings from this pain? Mm-hmm. And that's what really helped me evolve this, um, this philosophy and way of life, an action plan based life of, of evolving wings. And I was like, well, I got to be the best father and pops and dads I could be for my three, my three sons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I wrote that and I ended it with like, you know, don't don't worry about it. I got this. I'm going to take care of this. Mm -hmm. And like, I think you guys, you did like a presentation in an event that have you attended, right? Yeah. At College of Marin. And what did you, like, present it there? Yeah, so that was the very first time that I put all this together. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as, like, um, theory, practice, um, music, scholarship, all into one workshop. Mm-hmm. I, um, shout out to Ana Issa and Luz over at, at Calm and Psychological Services and uh, Puente Program at College of Marin. And they helped me come up with this event based off my song called The Warrior In You. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a song coming up of my new album called Soul Purpose. Oh, you guys are yeah. here first. New music. First. <laughs> Most likely uh, early next year. Awesome. And so we titled it, you know what? The Warrior In You, destigmatizing mental health mm-hmm. in the Latino, Latino, Latinx culture community. Yeah, no, it was a wonderful event. Uh, I'm so glad that I got to go because... Um, there were so many people there, too. There um, was over 100 people, and yeah. it really showed that there's a demand for this type mm-hmm. of um, platica. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was, it was beautiful seeing so many people also share uh, their experiences with mental health because um, there was a point where you, you just kind of opened the floor for people to talk, and it just felt so intimate. You know, it was a very intimate experience to just be there with all those people and, and all the feelings being so honest. Um, like, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. Do you have any more of those events planned in the future? I, I've done a, a more conceptualized um, duration of that presentation because that one was two hours. I've done one for like an hour or something like that, hour and a half maybe. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. For um, the Umoja Mental Health Summit um, a few weeks ago. And so I've been asked to do it again at Calm. I've been asked to do it at a few other institutions as well. Oh, gotcha. And you said, like, you're releasing new music. So, like, when are you planning to release that music? I would I would say hopefully early next year. I mean, originally the idea was actually today. Oh, wow. The, the original idea was, like, you know what? I'm going to drop every time there's a cultural event. Like, I'm going to drop every May and every September. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, you know what? It, I, I'd rather just wait mm-hmm. and have the best version of that product or and or cultural reproduction Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. i feel that it's more than just music it's about um, messages Mm -hmm. and it's about storytelling Mm -hmm. and the the ep that i put out walking stars yeah 
it's going to be very different from that. Ooh, it's going to be more personal, more intimate because the, it's yeah. a conceptual album. It's my first LP. Mm-hmm. It's going to be um, at least 10 songs, maybe Dang. one or two more. All right. It's a concept album. The concept is mental health and um, the warrior in you. That's really nice. That's really exciting. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like Walking Stars is very like intimate already. Oh, so. that it is. It's just in a different way because like those beats are like boom bat, East Coast, Golden yeah. Era mm-hmm. hip hop, mm-hmm. and I love that. And, and all the beats. Shout out to to my to my homie, my friend, producer, the kid rated R from San Francisco. He's doing all the production. We're recording at his studio. And he has this amazing way to just get different vibes and elements Mm -hmm. and and, and just really bring my lyrics to life. Mm. So we're doing it all Mm hands-on, hands-on everything. I want to know more. Uh, Yeah, how how has the recording process been for you so far with your new album? And like, like how do you kind of what's your workflow like? Do you just show up and just kind of... Write some bars, or you already have things written. I already down, have like- things written now, just because, like, when I was paying for studio time, shout out to uh, Eric Glosser over there at High Street Studios. When I was paying for time, I was like, I can't, I can't afford to just go in the studio and write there, write things there. So, yeah. and being a you know a dad of three, a father, you know, a husband, a, a, sc- a scholar, a professor, just I, oftentimes I wrote Walking Stars holding probably. The last two baby boys in my arms, you know, literally like they were in my arms and I was writing or typing or just recording myself that 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 EP, it's only five songs. It was supposed to be seven. Um, That took me like like a good year to write. This album has been taking me like a good year to write. And so by the time I go to the studio, I already have it on the document. I pull it up on my phone Mm -hmm. if I haven't already memorized it. And then we're just the magic happens, you know, we're, we're just like trying to make it better and ideas and it's, it's very organic in that way. It's a beautiful process. Um, I just, I don't feel like a, a full-time artist, right? Yeah. Because I'm also trying to shuffle um, so many things. With your yeah, life. You're a very busy hats. guy. <laughs> I got different hats yeah. for sure. So mm. when, when we go in, it's to get to work. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, I was going to ask a question, but I feel like it might, you might not be able to answer it. Um, go for it. <laughs> Cause like, can you give us like a hint? Well, you already gave us like it's gonna be mental health, but is it any way like gonna have um, an appearance of like about your father again? Or it does. Oh, okay. It okay. does, and so um, I got a few songs, you know, that have to do with him. Um, there's this one song that okay. I think folks are just gonna go crazy for. Okay. The same way that we pe- look forward to people it. like Fadelante. <laughs> yeah. The song is called Seventy Seven. 77 and uh, yeah it, it's, it has to do with my dad a yeah. lot and you said that like you've learned so much life lessons from your father and i'm just wondering like what you hope you give some life lessons to your sons yeah i think that just to conceptualize some of those jewels is that we have to believe in ourselves mm-hmm. which has been a hurdle for me for a long time we mm-hmm. have to believe in ourselves in a sense of once we have belief in ourselves that there is no going back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we we gotta go adelante with mm-hmm. it. No we just gotta see it through. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that and giving palabra, giving your word, that's that's a very indigenous practice itself. Is like 
you know, I'm going to show up to this radio station at this time and I'm going to be there, you know. And so if I say that I'm going to take my my sons to practice, I'm going to take them to practice, yeah. you know. And so that, I think those are some of the jewels. Will there be any features on the album? Any any special appearances from, from other you know artists? Because <laughs> I like you. I'll give, I'll give you some features. I haven't told nobody yet. But... um. I mean, you don't have to uh, say yeah, who, you but you, I just want to confirm if there will be features. There's going to be features. Okay, that's awesome. There's going to be a legendary <laughs> icon, international MC from Mexico City on the album. Oh, nice. he's, he's based in the U.S., has for a long time. Uh-huh. Um, there's going to be another hip-hop underground legend from Southern California. There's going to be um, an MC. She's from the East Coast. Buffalo, New York. There's gonna be some some real dope features on the album. Awesome. Yes. Well, that's so exciting to hear that you have some features on there. I got. Um, yeah, you know, and and, and then I have to build with my team, you know, and I have the kid rated R, my brother producing the album. He's he's gonna be on it as well. Rebecca No, shout out to her. So we got a whole full album for y'all. That's so exciting. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. Um, I, and I think I have one more last question. And um, what, are, what are you excited for the next generation of Latino I'm America? glad you asked me that <laughs> because I was supporting the youth um, in San Mateo High School earlier today. And they had a great celebration um, of heritage of different countries, flags and traditional songs. And at the very end of it, there was this young man. His name is Angel Zamora. Delgadillo, shout out to him and his mom and dad, that, uh, his, his folks that I met today. And he is super talented. He got on the guitar, did his <laughs> thing, started singing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, you need to go see my good friends over at Tay Radio and get interviewed by them. <laughs> yes. yes. The world needs to know. We about need to know you. about yeah. him. Yeah. And, and just uh, another. Uh, reality that gives me so much hope in youth is y'all <laughs> right creating this platform putting it in the work uh creating this this amazing studio um all the behind the scenes stuff that, that has to be prepped and worked into so i mean i'm living it in the now with y'all thank you Isabel. and the work that you do you know is just so fascinating hearing everything that you've gone through in your your life and and up like how you got to the point that you're at right now is really inspiring mm-hmm. to youth all over. Like I'm, I'm always so inspired whenever you just speak about like how you got to where you're at now. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just wanted to thank you. Unfortunately, we're almost out of time here, but do you have any last words before we uh, finish the Follow show off? Follow your purpose. Figure out your purpose. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about materials. Just figure out what is your purpose. What, what makes you happy? What do you love to do? And then figure out a way to sustain yourself off of that what you love to do, which is oftentimes your purpose. My purpose is to be a storyteller and through storytelling to educate. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Annalita, do you have anything else? Um, I just want to say thank you for coming. And it's really nice to see like a role model um, help bring like this destigmatize like mental mental health health, um because we need a lot more people like like you Mm -hmm. but thank Thank you so much ismail uh we hope to have you on the show 
again in the future. Uh, maybe when your new album drops, it'll be cool to have you here and Most just deaf. have that music yeah. played here live. Um, but thank you again for your time, Ismail. That's all from us. Uh, but we'll catch you all next week. And have a great weekend, everyone. Peace. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.